the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back as we head into Hour 2 of our show this Friday, February 25th, 2022. When there is a crisis, you want serious and sober thinking. When you want serious and sober thinking, you want my good friend, Brian Kennedy. He is the chairman of the Committee on the Present Danger China. He is the former president of the Claremont Institute and currently the president of the American Strategy Group. He has a tremendously important and clear piece over at the American Mind, AmericanMind.org, the common sense of the Ukraine crisis. Brian, welcome back to the airwaves of Phoenix, sir. How are you? Uh, thank you, Seth. Great to be with you. Uh, thank you for all you're doing, and it's uh, great to be on the show. Great to have you. Great to have your piece uh, as well. There's a lot to it, so I'm going to keep you a while, if that's okay. Can I? This is the price you have to pay for writing such yeah. a good piece. Uh, this is well, such a very, you. very good piece. Let me start, perhaps not where you would necessarily think I would, but it doesn't matter. Let me start with something you wrote toward the end of your piece, if I can, Brian, and we'll work work our way upwards. Uh, Vladimir Putin, you write, has seen that communist China unleashed COVID-19 on the United States, that over 850,000 Americans died, that the U.S. economy and political system were devastated, and that Beijing literally got away with murder. Putin saw Biden ignominiously withdraw U.S. forces from Afghanistan and leave $85 billion in military equipment and Bagram Air Force Base for use by our enemies. Putin might be led to believe the Biden administration is withdrawing the U.S. from the world stage and embracing a globalist vision where the United States is but one more nation in a multipolar world, and he would have good reason to believe it's so. There can be little wonder that Putin signed a strategic agreement with Xi Jinping when he did, which was only just recently, as you point out point out at the top of your piece. Brian, I have been saying that uh, and I did in my and I did spend some time on this in my monologue in the previous hour that it's really uh, very easy to understand that the United States has turned away from moral leadership, moral authority and moral power because the entire notion of physical power between two nuclear powers is too, between two nuclear forces, is too devastating to think about, though think about it you do, and rightfully so, so we'll get to that in a moment. But once you resign or abdicate, maybe that's the better word, your moral authority, once you have thrown fascist and tyrant around your own leadership so indiscriminately, it's hard to find words for what we're seeing in Putin that will work now that we have so vitiated those statements here in America. And it's hard for Putin to take the measure of America and think it's a serious nation that's going to do anything when it looks at the line of recent history you outlined. I think I think Vladimir Putin was all but given a green light by the American left. And by the American left, I mean the Democratic Party. You tell me. Uh, well, yes, Seth, I think that I, I think that's right. We have abdicated our role on the world stage. And we don't look today 
country doesn't mean we're going to go to war with Ukraine. Absolutely. It's just that, right. it, it, it's just that when, when you look at the last two years of the United States, 20 years, 30, I mean, you know, pick a, pick a number, right. but when you look at the Biden administration and just its attitude toward world affairs, you don't see a serious people. Right. I mean, the, Ru- the Russians looked at the election in 2020, and I believe the Russians, like everyone else, with it, with two eyes, thought the election was stolen. Mm-hmm. That there was something wrong with mm-hmm. the election. Mm-hmm. That America had responded badly to COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm. The Russians, as I say, they looked and saw that even though everybody believes that COVID nineteen came from a laboratory in China, and we know was allowed to spread throughout the world, killing Americans, devastating the economy. What have we done to date to hold them to account? And so they kill, they kill almost 900,000 Americans, and we do not lift a finger when it comes to China. Not a finger. And so if they kill, if the Russians kill a few hundred or a few thousand Ukrainians, as awful as that would be, are we going to do something serious to Russia? So the Russians look at this and they think America's not, they're not serious about themselves. Why would they be serious about us? Wouldn't you, would you, by the way, I'm sorry to interrupt, but would you also add the the thing, you're right to do that. Would you not also add the withdrawal from Afghanistan as looking um, and sending as much of a signal that to the world that uh, was probably equivalent to the signal we sent in 1975 the way we left Saigon, except with less, less loss of American life? Yes, absolutely. I mean, it took us I mean, six the, years the way, to dig out of that one, right? The, the, the loss of credibility of the, of the United States in how we left Afghanistan, these things all send signals. Yeah, right. We get out of Afghanistan leaving $81 billion worth of equipment for our enemies to use, number one. Now, where were they ever going to get $81 billion of that kind of equipment? Right. They weren't. And we leave an air base that, in the case of Afghanistan, the Chinese will now be able to use in operations, should they ever come, against India. Right. And, and so we leave in such a way as to say, you know, we were, we've been, almost as if to say we've been defeated, we're leaving our stuff, we're, we're getting out of here as quickly as possible. Except we do it, it with almost, a lie. We do it with a lie from our commander-in-chief who says... This is an extraordinary success, right? It's a lie yeah, only yeah. he must well, believe. <laughs> okay, sorry to interrupt. Well, it, it, yeah, no, I, no I, think that, I think that's right. But it's the kind of lie where everyone knows it's right. a lie. Right, 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 right. And right. so it's a kind of gaslighting of the American people. Right. That they're, they're meant to believe something that they know cannot be true. Right. And so, and so in a way we're living in kind of a great confusion where everyday Americans who love their country look at how the government's operating and they can't quite figure it out, leaving Afghanistan the way we did, losing men right there at the very end, leaving the equipment, leaving an air base, is somehow a victory. And they're told otherwise. And so they think, what's going on here? Who's not confused are the Russians and the Chinese or any other enemy we have. Those, they have absolute clarity that the United States is walking away 
from world leadership. They're walking off the world stage, and the space now can be occupied by Russia and China. They can divide up the world, and on February 4th of this year, the Russians and the Chinese signed a strategic agreement outlining essentially a new world order that they are going to operate together. And the, the, the central antagonist to this world order is the United States. So even, even though they've been intellectually and ideologically, one could argue strategically aligned for many, many years, they decided to formalize it on February 4th of this year because they have seen that the Biden administration is corrupt, it's incompetent, and it's not going to do anything about whatever it is they want to do. I want to pick up on that. I promise you I will in a second because it is so important and almost no Americans know about that that compact or that pact, that agreement. And we'll get to that in just a second. Let me stay with something you just said because I want to see if I can add to it a little if, if you agree. <clears throat> Wouldn't you agree too, Brian, that as opposed to China, communist China, and as opposed to Russia, the leadership – Probably also the vast majority of the people, and by vast majority, 80% plus, they don't have self-doubt about the righteousness of their being and their cause. We have nothing but self-doubt. Isn't that a factor, too? Yes, but... When you say self-doubt, the American people don't doubt. Oh, fair enough. Let's right. let's keep it at the leadership then for that. You, you always correct me on this, and you're always right to do so. Let's 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 say the American leadership and half the American people, maybe. Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. No, that's right. Okay. okay. I, I mean, I, I I really do think. I mean, look, we're living in the age of critical race theory, yep. diversity, equity, and inclusion, and there among educated Americans, there is this unfortunately, deep-seated view that we are the cause of evil in the modern world. That's right. That's right. And so and, and so, that does create a self-doubt. Oh, that's a great parallel, right. where once we were all agreed that Russia, or the Soviet Union, as they called themselves then, was the focus of evil in the modern world. We Americans now think. we. Are, i got to take a quick commercial break, Brian. You, you can stay a bit? Yes, absolutely. I appreciate it. We're talking to Brian T. Kennedy. He is the chairman of the Committee on the Present Danger, China, and he is the president of the American Strategy Group. His piece in the American Mind, AmericanMind.org, must reading, The Common Sense of the Ukraine Crisis. I'm Seth. He's Brian. We'll be right back. Happy to take your calls, too. 602-508-0960. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, brought to you live by the guns, et cetera, the good folks at Guns, etc. Brian Kennedy is our guest. He is the chairman of the Committee on the Present Danger China. We're going to talk about the Russia-China Pact in a few moments. He writes about it as well as a lot in his most current piece at the American Mind, AmericanMind.org, the common sense of the Ukraine crisis. Right before the break, Brian, we were talking about uh, well, let me set it up this way, and you write it as well. You put it in a different language. Let me let me give it to you this way. I think he's a former uh, Claremont fellow anyway, Christopher Bedford. You may know him. I don't. Uh, over at the Federalist, uh, uh, he says, "How how how can the left possibly want the right in America to be charging more forcefully 
into the defense of Ukraine when we were really just careless about doing anything if it came to dealing with Chinese spies Um, or when we talk about the importance of the carbon footprint of the war in Europe or why are we surprised that the Russians weren't put in fear when we at the Defense Department were putting out diversity tweets and maternity flight suits for our trans soldiers. I mean, it's kind of hard for uh, for Putin to think we're a serious country in your language. And it's kind of hard for me to think that we can be seen as a country worthy of seriousness and worthy of standing up for anything when for the last four years we have called our own president the same thing we're now calling Vladimir Putin while we decry our national anthem as something not to stand up for. You take my point. That's a great point. Look, this whole idea of being serious, you know, what can you say about a country that behaves the way we behave? Right. And and you might, again, I I like to say we're confused. Yep. And, And I don't think our elites are confused. I think they're on the side of the globalist project. They are happy to say that America is a bad country in the world, source of all these problems, whether it's pollution or capitalism or racism or all these. They hated the notion of American greatness, and they would say we were never that great, right? Precisely. And by the way, I correct people a little bit. I think I'm right. The first thing this administration did was not cancel the XL pipeline. The first thing it did was take down the 1776 project. Then it canceled the XL pipeline. I think I'm right about that. And I think that there's yeah, an think, importance to that, yeah. actually. Okay. Yeah, I think I think you are, too. Okay. Meaning somewhere viscerally in these leftists who are running the American government today is a deep antipathy to all that is good about America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They don't like it, mm-hmm. and they want to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know with, with certain kind of liberal, liberals... There's almost like a rich, ritual self-debasement. Yeah, sure. That goes sure, on. Sure. And and that's part, that's part of this project. I think it's part of how we left Afghanistan. We didn't leave Afghanistan in an order. We could have easily left Afghanistan in an orderly way, taken out all the equipment, make sure our allies were protected, and then destroyed Bagram Air Force Base. Or stayed in Bagram Air Force Base, but just ended everything else. Right, right. right. Another another variable on that or another variant of that is you would be censored for calling this the Wuhan virus or the Chinese virus or some variant of that. But let her rip if you're going to call the president of the United States a tyrant, a fascist or a Nazi, right? Right, right. And blame him, not China, for the coronavirus. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, this, and so all of a sudden, this whole thing just becomes an absolute intellectual mess right. where the average American just thinks, what in the hell is going on? Right. And, that, and that's the world we're living in today when people, I mean, when I hear people in Washington talk about getting tough on Ukraine or, I mean, some of the folks were even talking about, well, we have nuclear weapons and, and all this kind of talk. It, it's like, really? Do you think? 
we, for the people of Ukraine, we're going to engage in this kind of behavior? We we're not, we're not going to hold China account for the Wuhan virus, right? But somehow, somehow we're going to put at risk American civilization for the people of Ukraine. The disconnect there is just so profound. I, I think the average American is looking at that and just thinking, who are we being governed by today? Joe Biden. I don't know if you saw his press conference yesterday, but. He said something that I think has tremendous implications on what you're saying. He said, and he made the distinction between Ukraine not being in NATO and what we would do for NATO countries. And then he said, there's no question, in fact, he said this is what it's all about, that Vladimir Putin wants to reconstitute the Soviet Union. Okay, that means Estonia, which is a NATO country. Really? Americans are going to go to war for Estonia physically? Come on, Brian. This is highly confusing and really setting up a weird set of stakes, too, I think. Yes. And there you have to think that that Biden is either mentally has lost his mind or is just so deeply confused about world affairs that it's disqualifying, really. Uh It should have been in another world. It would have been right. Right. Right, right, right. I mean, one of the things I try to point out in this piece is part part of the, the, the challenge of talking about Russia and conflict with the United States, forget Ukraine for a moment, is is that whenever we get into a con, any kind of a war of words with Russia, always in the back of any sensible person's mind is the fact that we have nuclear weapons and they have nuclear weapons. Uh-huh. And so that we can talk about a lot of things, but when there's actual lives on the line like there is in Ukraine, in the back of sensible people's mind is the fact that they have nuclear weapons. Mm -hmm. And so it's a different conversation than if we were talking to Mexico or about Mexico or, or nearly any other country. And we've seemed to have lost that common sense of, what are we doing here? And we don't have it. Now, I say that not, you know, and my God, Vladimir Putin is a very bad man. He's a murderer, he's a killer. He's, you know, a corrupt former KGB guy, right? So this is not in any way a Putin, you know, talking point as the left likes to describe. This is what is good for the American people. I could care less about Vladimir Putin. I care a lot about the American people. You bet. And when we hash these things out, this is not about what to do to Russia. It's about what to do for the American people to yep. make sure that they're secure yep. and prosperous. And that, and that be- conversation's not being had. That's right. And so let's you and I have it, and let's involve the N-word when we come back, the nuclear word uh, that so many people are afraid to talk about for a lot of good reasons, but needs to be addressed, really preventing the use of nuclear weapons uh, that that obviously is on people's minds, but no one really understands how to talk about it, except for you, because you do a great job of it in your piece. Again, we're talking to Brian Kennedy. His piece is at The American Mind, AmericanMind.org, The Common Sense of the Ukraine Crisis. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, brought to you live from the Guns Etc. studios. Brian T. Kennedy is our guest. He's going to stay with us for the hour. He is the uh, chairman of uh, the Committee on the Present Danger China. He is uh, former president of the Claremont Institute and the current president of the American Strategy Group over at the American Mind. His piece is the common sense of the Ukraine crisis. Brian, a lot of people don't want to write about the nuclear situation uh, involving involved in all this, surrounding all this. Uh, but you do, and I'm glad you do, because you actually have been talking about this for years, and uh, America hasn't uh, – at least I should say American elites have not listened enough to you because we wouldn't have to talk about it if we had listened to you. Talk to us about the nuclear situation here. Nuclear weapons are uh, obviously the, as Churchill said, the sturdy child of terror. Right. No one wants to talk about nuclear weapons because no one can really think about nuclear war. Right. No one wants nuclear war. Ronald Reagan, in 1982, was pushing the concept of a national missile defense to protect us from Soviet ballistic missiles because he said it was inherently more moral to defend yourself from a nuclear attack than to retaliate. To a nuclear attack. Uh-huh. And I followed that line of thinking. We want to have a national missile defense so that we that, that awful thing of nuclear weapons is taken off the table. After Reagan said that, most Americans thought, well, it must, it's going to be inevitable that we build one. But after, after all these years, we don't have one. Joe Biden has spent literally 40 years opposing the building of a national missile defense. Let me let me pierce a balloon in Americans' minds that needs to be pierced because the implications of not knowing this are, are, are dangerous. We do not have a missile defense system that will protect America, period, end of story. We don't have one. We don't have one to defend against Russia or China or an Iranian or any other nation's ship-launch ballistic missile. We have a system today that can stop uh, a ballistic missile, some ballistic missiles from North Korea. It's not a perfect system. It's one of it's one of those things in American politics where the Democrats, the left, knew that it was a popular issue, the idea of stopping you know nuclear weapons from destroying your civilization. They knew it was popular, but they also knew that they would be able to starve the system by never giving it enough money or making sure that it was it was actually viable. Reagan's for it, but in his short window of time as president, couldn't get it done. Uh, George H.W. Bush was for it, but it was the end of the Cold War and didn't really know how to think about it. Clinton was opposed to it, effectively. Uh, Bush believed in it, but never got it done. Obama was an active opponent of missile defense. Uh, you can recall, by the way, you you will recall that he yanked it from Poland in the Czech Republic in his first years. Is what I recall. Well, yes, there's that. But remember, just to, to, to where we are today, 2012, uh, Obama is talking to President Medvedev. Oh, yeah. Of Russia oh, and, yeah. and says and says, tell Vladimir yep. Putin 
not to worry about missile defense. I've got to, you know, play the game. I just got to get through the election. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then I, and then I can, because meaning I have to get through the election. And so I can't formally be against it because the public is for this idea. But tell them not to worry. Yeah. Yeah. Not not to worry. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I, and, and what doesn't get said is I am going to leave the American people vulnerable right. to a potential nuclear ballistic missile attack from Russia or China or Iran or anybody who hates this country. Now, I can tell you the Russians and the Chinese both have this ballistic missile defense systems that they possess, and they're working on more advanced ones every single day. When Donald Trump heard about this, he thought, this is crazy. We need to build a space force that will be able to use this to to build a missile defense through a space force to make sure we're defended. He got it. But the Democrats were opposed to it. The military was still engaged in fighting wars in the Middle East. So they never really got into it. And today... There is potential for for war, obviously, given the fact that the Russians and and the Chinese have combined. The Russians have invaded Ukraine, and ballistic missiles, nuclear missiles, hang over everybody's head. Hold that thought. I want to pick up on it. This was a short segment. We have a longer one coming up. We'll be right back with Brian T. Kennedy. In the meantime, let me put in a good word for our sponsors, Balance of Nature, because they put nothing but great product into their fruits and veggies. I've been taking it for three years, haven't been sick since. It's a fabulous product, all natural. Go to balanceofnature.com for their fruits and veggies, the only whole food supplement that is nothing but whole foods. Use discount code BALANCE. Be right back. Playing the music of Brian Kennedy's youth. Brian Kennedy is our guest. He is uh, the president of the American Strategy Group and the chairman of the Committee on the Present Danger China. His piece in American Mind, AmericanMind.org, The Common Sense of the Ukraine Crisis, Get to the nuclear. Uh, we're talking about you know the fear of, of 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 a nuclear happenstance here, Brian. One of the odd things about this um, absence of, of of a comprehensive missile defense system here that the Democrats keep depriving us of is that they're also uh, very used to campaigning on the notion that um, if if the American people elect a Republican president, he's going to unleash a nuclear war. The worst ad I saw on this was not the 1964 Daisy ad, hardly. The worst probably was one in 1984 against Ronald Reagan where they have little kindergartners looking out at a window on behalf of the Mondale campaign as a nuclear war is destroying their city. The use of children by the left is not new. We've seen it for years and now we've seen it again with COVID. Um, And, of course, they did this with Donald Trump too, the cowboy, the madman who would start a nuclear war. It's we who keep the peace, they who start the wars, and they who won't let us have missile defense. It's an ironic place to be, but that is our politics today, isn't it? You know, it is, Seth, and it's, it's very bizarre. Uh, Reagan's whole idea was peace through strength, you know, have be strong enough to deter your enemy and build a defensive system like a ballistic missile system that would make sure that that, that aspect of war was not going to be possible. We, in a way, we were the peaceniks who were for for all those things back then. Even if it looked uh, like that's we totally building. true. And when you listen to Ronald <laughs> Reagan being interviewed on it, he sounded like a peacenik. Yeah, you betcha. Yeah, 
Yeah. And and the Democrat Party today has been really become the party of war. Yep. And they they really have co opted the military industrial complex yep. to be theirs. And so they're all for fighting wars in the Middle East. They're all for uh, now, obviously, engaging in Ukraine. And anybody who says anything other than that is a stooge of Vladimir Putin. And uh, look, as the military-industrial complex and the, indus- the intelligence state, it's gotten so large that it really has become part of the administrative state mm-hmm. that the Democrats subscribe to. And With that, a Department that, of Defense that looks like the sociology department at Harvard, quite honestly. Yes, yes, no, that, no that's quite right. And so they, they work together to make sure that America is really in a permanent state of war because that permanent state of war has benefited the Democratic mm-hmm. Party. Because it, once you're in a permanent state of war, the idea of making sure that there's fiscal responsibility or limited government go out the window. And you can impose any kind of authoritarianism you want. I call it the crisis industrial complex. I think they played it to a fairly well with COVID. Well said. Yes, well said. That's exactly right. Everything is... Yeah, go ahead. Well, our side never really quite wrapped its mind around that, and there is a very powerful remnant dislike of Russia from during the Cold War. Soviet Union, evil an expression of evil in the world. And there are a fair number of Americans who just think, and, and it, they would not be wrong, that, that the Russians are still just as evil. Mm-hmm. But because the Russians are just as evil doesn't mean we have an interest in going to war with them. Well, that's right, damn Over it. That is so right. Future. Ronald Reagan defeated them without firing a shot, as Margaret Thatcher put it. That's exactly right, Brian, just because, and he was the one who spoke the most forcefully against them. Right. I mean, it it, it is mind boggling to understand a philosophy that doesn't understand what I just said and what you're saying. It's mind boggling. Well, we went from peace or strength through this ongoing war manifesting itself through a lot of weakness Mm -hmm. on the part Mm -hmm. of the United States. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We, We built down the military. We don't have a missile defense. We've not adequately modernized our nuclear arsenal. By, by the way, what would, it co- gonna, what would it cost to have a comprehensive missile defense system or a comprehensive enough missile defense? What would, what would that cost be, 50, well, 50 billion the, a year for this, a decade or something? Half a decade? No, probably half that. Okay. It's probably, it's pro- I mean, the high-end number would probably be about 30 billion a year for about five years. Okay. I mean, this but, is... Let's just double that, and, and, and it's let's double it and call it half the budget of the Department of Education. That's what we're talking about. Well, here's the real problem: the reason there's not a missile defense system is it, it actually doesn't cost very much. In the right, right. And so, so same reason these, we don't use these, ivermectin. Right, there's no money to be right. made. Right, okay. The military-industrial right. complex. You know, they were talking about spending, you know, eight billion, nine billion, and they're like, "Yeah, it's not really worth even lobbying right. anybody to get that. <laughs> right. It's right. not worth. It's not worth our time and effort. Right. The serious money is going to war in the Middle East. Right. That's where the serious money's to be made, and so that's where they focus their efforts in Congress and elsewhere. And the Democrats have been more than happy to oblige. So that, that, that's one of the problems. If missile defense costs a lot. We probably would have had one by now.
Yeah, yeah. Brian, do this with me and our audience. Um, I ask it of everyone who knows foreign policy. What are the conditions aside from a direct U.S. attack? And maybe there aren't any. What are the conditions aside from a direct attack on the U.S.? Let me better put it that way. What are the conditions for us taking up arms abroad? Um, Look, we have a national interest. And we're a commercial republic. And as a commercial republic, we need to trade throughout the world in order to guarantee our prosperity. If someone prevented us from doing that as a commercial republic, there would be a reason to take up arms. That's one reason we have a very capable Navy. Maybe not capable enough, but a capable Navy. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to the use of power, you know, I would just ask your audience, what do, what do I have to ask of you before you're willing to give me the life of your son or daughter? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one thing to, to lose our children in battle to protect the United States mm-hmm. and our families. It's another thing for me to ask you to give up the lives of your children for some family in another country. Yep. However deserving they may be, that's the kind of sacrifice that requires very clear, you know, moral distinction. That if I go abroad to fight, it better be because if I don't do that, war is going to immediately come to the United States. That's right. That's right. It better immediately be coming to the United States. You have no problem but with sending might. arms to allies, though, do you? Not to allies, but I also don't want to, in doing so, give the illusion to anyone that we're going to back you up. Well, I think that was the problem, honestly. I think that was the problem. We have we have created those we illusions. Get, yeah. We get, we sold arms to Ukraine, yep. and we gave them the impression, right. and, and Clinton gave them the open impression, yep. that we're going to have your back yep. against Russia. Yep. And we weren't. Right. Uh, do you want to do a concluding thought with my short segments in just a few moments? You bet. Right before we go to the top of the hour news break, Brian T. Kennedy will give us some concluding thoughts. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Brian T. Kennedy has been our guest. His piece at the American Mind, AmericanMind.org. You got to read it. The common sense of the Ukraine crisis. Brian, you you put a lot in there, and it all is cohesive. Uh, it's our final and short segment before we go into our third hour. Um, how would you summarize it, and what would you want people to take away from what you're writing here? Uh, well, thank you, Seth. And it's always great to be with you. Thank you. I think the, th- the thing I'd want people to take away from all of this discussion is that this is a very serious time and that there's a lot of deception going on in the media and by our elected officials. And they would have they would have you believe that Ukraine is willing you know the future of Ukraine is something that is worth spending the future of America on, mm. and that's just of course nonsense. Mm-hmm. That we ought not to be worried so much about what we do to Russia for having invaded Ukraine as what we do for America to make sure that in the future we are defended. Now, the Biden administration is not going to do it, but eventually there'll be a Republican Congress yep. and a Republican.
Republican president, yep. likely, who yep. is going to yep. want to do this. Yep. And that is making sure we have a national missile defense to make sure we're defended, to rebuild our military in such a way that we deter anybody from doing harm to the United States. And to remember that in any of these kind of considerations, the most important thing is the health and well-being, both physically and politically, of the American people. That all policy has to be geared toward making our lives better. We, we would like the lives of everybody on the planet to be better, but that's not possible if we're not safe and secure and politically healthy in this country so that we have the ability to make these kind of decisions. Today, we're living in an age where decisions are being made by a cohort in Washington that has someone else's interest in mind. And I can tell you, it's not the American people. Brian T. Kennedy, beautifully stated, beautifully written, too. You do beautiful work. You can check out his work, folks, by uh, going to the Committee on the Present Danger of China or the American Strategy Group, which he is the uh, chairman and president of, uh, respectively. He is the uh, former president of the Claremont Institute. Start with his piece over at the American Mind today, AmericanMind.org, the common sense of the Ukraine crisis. Brian T. Kennedy, always great having you. You're a dear friend, great not only to me, but to our great. country. Thank you. Thank you, Seth. Great to be with you. You betcha. Talk soon. I'm Seth Liebson. Open line 602-508-0960. Your show here on out. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.